We don't have to rush up here. No wise man say only fools rush in. Wait, there's a reason I said that. I don't know how many so people like, got that? Like, like what? Well, okay, I'll let you take over now. <laughs> don't get it in a second. Okay, good morning. Good morning. Great to see everybody. So my kids are starting back to school this week. Uh, summer then is officially over as far as, you know, our day-to-day lives go. And so today's the last day that we're going to look at uh, one of the many summer blockbuster movies that uh, has come out this year. Uh, we've had a lot of fun uh, with this. Uh, today's another really great movie. If you haven't seen it, it came out in June. And it's a kind of a biopic of a pretty famous person. I'm just going to See if you guys can figure it out. Does anybody know who the king of rock and roll is? Shout it out if you know it. Yeah, Elvis Aaron Presley. Obviously in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but much more than that. The number one selling artist of all time. The most Billboard Top 40 hits of all time. Billboard Top 100 hits of all time. Uh, most gold records, most platinum records, most multi-platinum records. Uh, I mean, he's it, right? He's the king. Does anybody know Elvis's hometown? Memphis. He was born in Tupelo as a child, moved to Memphis, grew up there. Graceland, if anybody's heard of Graceland. Anybody been to Graceland? Look at that. All right. I love it. yeah, he's from Memphis. He's just an old country boy. He's a, he was a, a southern gentleman from Memphis, Tennessee, just like me. Uh, and speaking of, just like me, when we're shaking hands as you're leaving today, just be very careful. Don't step on my shoes today, all right? All right, I have my blue suede shoes. All right, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, so there's been a lot of books written about Elvis. Everybody who knew him, of course, uh, after he started writing books and my experiences with him, background. Other movies, documentaries have been made. But this movie that came out this summer uh, stars Austin Butler as Elvis Presley and Tom Hanks as uh, Colonel Tom Parker, who was Elvis's uh, manager. And this is the first movie uh, that, that's really told the story about their relationship and uh, love-hate, troubled uh, relationship between uh, his manager from the beginning, his whole career, uh, with uh, Colonel Parker. And it's a, it's a bittersweet story. Uh, the arc of Elvis's life is, is amazing. It went from poverty, I mean, in the South, dirt poor uh, poverty, to really the most famous person in the world. Uh, His uh, Aloha from Hawaii concert was the first satellite broadcast. Over one billion people watched that concert. That still hasn't been matched today. It's incredible. And then, of course, the the struggles he had with the fame, the abusive uh, uh, relationship with uh, Colonel Parker, uh, the demise of his health, and ultimately his premature death. It's, It's... it's a Shakespearean <laughs> story, really, a real-life story, though. So let me just show you a quick uh, trailer. Uh, you know, this is from the movie. It came out in June. Oh, that I love there are some who'd make me out to be the villain of this here story. Let a good 
skinny boy transform into a superhero. He was my destiny. I wish to promote you, Mr. Presley. Are you ready to fly? I'm ready. Ready to fly. Tomorrow, all of America will be talking about Elvis Presley. We are the same, you and I. We are two odd, lonely children reaching for eternity. The greatest show on earth. It's a good movie. Uh, I recommend you checking it out just for entertainment. But so you see this, you're starting to see a little bit of this, right? This very tight and difficult relationship between Parker and Presley. And Colonel Parker makes all of us a promise. Right? Are you ready to fly? Right? Are you ready to be famous? Trust me. Follow me. And you know, it's, again, that bittersweet story. I mean, to his credit, I mean, on one hand, right, Colonel Parker was very responsible for promoting him and, and, and guiding him into a stardom that is just beyond anything really we've seen since then. And yet at the same time, uh, it was Colonel Parker who took advantage of him. Took, his contract was 50% of the take for being his manager. Yeah, after Elvis's death, uh, the estate Presley Estate won a lawsuit against Parker for obviously uh, ridiculous, uh, ridiculous fees that he charged. But he also uh, was a bad influence on him as far as uh, medications uh, to keep him going night after night. Uh, and ultimately, uh, th again, the pressure of the fame, the, the pressure to perform uh, all contributed to, again, his early death at uh, 42 years old. 42. Now, I didn't used to think that was that old, but I mean, that's really young. <laughs> that is really young. So it's a, it's a really tragic story that Elvis had put so much faith into his manager. And today, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, this is the great faith chapter, uh, we're going to talk about faith. And here's the key thing. It doesn't matter how much faith you have it doesn't matter how little faith you have. The only thing that matters is who you put your faith in. Elvis put his faith in Colonel Parker. Too much faith, I should say, in Colonel Parker. But for us, even a mustard seed size of faith, a teeny tiny itty bitty bit of faith that we may have can move mountains 
that faith is focused, the object of that faith is God and not anyone else or anything else. Now, Hebrews 11 lists uh, a, a long slate of a great examples uh, from the Old Testament, people of faith, but it actually starts with a very classic definition, right? You know this. Faith is what? It's confidence in what we hope for. It's assurance about what we do not see. And this scripture encourages us today to examine our faith, our faith. What do you hope for? What are you absolutely certain of? And who or what do you put your trust to make those hopes or those dreams come true? How does that faith affect your daily life, your everyday decisions and actions? The thing about faith is First of all, it's always based on a promise. All faith, it always begins with a promise. Right there on the Ferris wheel, Colonel Parker promised Elvis, right, I will take you to the top. I'm your guy. But faith in everything, even ordinary everyday things, it all starts with a promise. I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a headache and you go to the medicine cabinet you reach for a bottle, you dump out a couple of white pills, you pop them in your mouth because you believe it's going to relieve your headache. Now, why do you believe that? I mean, it's a commercial that you saw and you trust it. Maybe you trust the pharmaceutical companies and the label they put on the bottle for headache. But something in you believes that there's something in that pill, right? You take it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you feel better. Well, our faith isn't based on advertising campaign or uh, any pharmaceutical company or anything like that. Our faith is based on the promises that we find in God's word. God's word. That's what has brought us together today. We study God's word. We prepare ourselves to go out and share God's word. It is powerful. It is active. It is working in our lives. It has been working throughout all of history. God's word is the foundation for our faith. It is full of promises. And the ultimate fulfillment of all of the promises is in our Savior. God had promised from the very beginning and fulfilled 2,000 years ago that he would send his son into the world to bear all of our sins and to be our savior. And we have seen that fulfilled. We rely on the promises of God. And so it's no wonder that Paul tells Timothy and us to remember. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Remember what God has promised and fulfilled ultimately in Jesus Christ. He's taken care of our biggest problems, our greatest enemies, even death. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we remember that. And that's why everything at Desert Foothills, everything at our church is all about Jesus Christ. 
Everything at our preschool is all about Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. You know, verse 1 starts with a, a definition of faith, but you know, really, most of this chapter is actually, it's about not what faith is, but what faith does. What does faith do? As we examine our own faith, do we rely upon it? How does it influence us? What does that faith do? Difference does it make uh, in our lives? Now, again, in uh, chapter 11, it goes through this long list. It's a hall of fame, right, of, of great people of the Old Testament, men and women. Some were kings, some were slaves, some were murderers, liars, cheats, humans, humans just like us. But something about them was different. Something stood out to make them be called out by the author of Hebrews as these great examples for us. And as they lived by faith, those words, by faith, by faith, there's over 20 times in this one chapter. Now, I believe there are people you can think of in your own life that you would hold up as a role model for your faith. It was a parent or a grandparent. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher or a youth leader. It's even possible it could have been a pastor Someone who, in your eyes, held on to the promises of God and made those promises real in your own life. Someone, when you think about how does a Christian live? How does a Christian raise kids? How does a Christian work, uh, relate to my people at work? You think of this person that is, is this wonderful example to you. And this is what Hebrews 11 is doing. And above all of the you know, Hall of Famers of faith, uh, Hebrews really points to Abraham. It's kind of the king of this, this section. Abraham had an amazing life. The arc of his life was just unbelievable. An unbelievably true story, though. He started off, well, the story starts off, I guess, today. He's living in the town of Ur, way over here, in the land of Chaldeans. And he is 75 years old. Now, he's 75 years old. He's, I don't know, some of you are close to 75. Some of you passed it or looking at it. But, you know, what's your kind of plans for life when you get to be about 75 years old? Retirement, right? You're thinking about retirement. Well, Abraham was there. Uh, he had land. He had livestock. He had employees, huge ranch, you want to call it that. And... He and his wife, Sarah, they're set. They're ready really for a very comfortable uh, retirement. But then God comes and he gives Abraham a promise. And he says, Abraham, you are going to be the father of a great nation. Great in numbers and great in power. 75 years old. Now, if Abraham is going to follow God's plan, he's got to abandon his own plan. Comfortable life, land of Ur, he's going to have to leave it all behind. Leave everything he knows, everyone he knows, and travel the land of Canaan. This is over 1,000 miles. And he goes. Now, 
What would motivate Abraham and Sarah to do such a crazy thing? Really, because it's very risky. They could have lost everything. Uh, they could have been the laughing stock of everybody, everybody mocking them. And this thing about becoming a father, <laughs> that's ridiculous. I don't know. It's impossible. What would motivate them to follow God, to leave it all behind, follow God's new plan? Faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. That's kind of the thing about following God's leading, taking that step in faith. You hear people say, I'm going to take a step in faith. You know, that's because this is kind of all God lights up for you. It's just kind of that one step in the path. I, not in my life. I don't know if anybody, very few maybe, that God actually shows the finish line. You know, God actually paints a picture of, okay, and this is where your beautiful house is and your swimming pool is going to be great and your kids are going to bring the grandkids over and you're going to, this is, I don't know. I've never seen anybody get that kind of a, a prophetic vision, right? No, it's like God pulls you in this direction. This is the way I want you to go. And you just kind of take a step and, and you reach out there, right? And you're kind of, okay, there's something solid. Woo. Okay. Oh, I got to take another step. Uh-oh. <laughs> Whoa. Right. I'm trying to get anything on my blue suede shoes. I'm doing that. Faith by faith. So remember, we're focused on what does faith do? Not what it is. Not the definition. What does faith do? One, we remember. We remember the promises that God has fulfilled. Hundreds. We can look back over, you know, scripture, but I can think of hundreds in my own life. I can see where God has stepped in and provided for me, protected me. It's incredible. Remember the promises that God has fulfilled, the times he's taken care of you. Now, this is the amazing thing about Abraham. This, now, that's a big step of faith, but check this out. 25 years later, <laughs> Abraham is 99 years old, and he still hasn't possessed the land. He's still a nomad, kind of wandering around that area. Oh, yeah. And the kids? Zero. Zero. The 25 years since God promised it. Wow. Yet Abraham remembered and he never lost grip of his faith. He never lost hope. He kept believing. He kept trusting that God, who had done everything he said he would do in the past, is going to do this next thing that he said he's going to do. He's got a perfect track record, so he's just going to wait and trust him. Now, to a lesser degree, Elvis Presley, <laughs> I got to weave him in, all right? This is the thing today. Um, I'm going to show you another clip. This is not from the movie. This is an actual interview of Elvis Presley. This is in 1960. Uh, he's just returned from Germany. He spent two years in the Army with the 3rd Armored Division as a sergeant. He completed his active duty, came back as a reservist uh, to continue you know, his career. And so this is the day after he arrived on, by train uh, back to Memphis. He's at Graceland. He's uh, actually in his dad's office. Dad was kind of the business manager uh, at Graceland. He's at the desk. Reporters are around the room. And the question I want you to uh, hear is uh, they asked him, uh, so how did they react to you over in Germany? 
You know, was it like here or like girls squealing <laughs> and people screaming? And uh, he kind of, he's just kind of a shy person. Uh, but listen, listen to some of his, his answer here. Now, how did the fans respond to you over there as compared to here in the States? Well, it's a pretty difficult question to answer because anything I'll say, uh, it might sound a little uh, like I'm bragging, you know? <laughs> Uh, but it was pretty much the same, pretty much the same there as here. They had seen a lot of your movies. And, and, and the records and so forth. Uh, I'd like to go back on a tour over there someday, all of Europe, all of Europe. Because uh, the only thing they know about me is what they've read, uh, records and the movies and so forth. Elvis, this is not in the form of a question, but I'd like to take this opportunity to welcome you home for everybody in Memphis and the South. Well, thank you. You'll never know how happy I am to be here. Someone asked me this morning, what did I miss about Memphis? And I said, everything. I had to throw in the second question. second question is a bonus. So uh, if you ever come up and ask me, what do I miss about Memphis? I'll say, everything. And you'll, you'll get it. All right, so the first question, right? They, they, they love him in Europe. Of course, they've never seen him, of course. Didn't have internet. I right? couldn't watch his YouTube video, right? Uh, but he expressed right there this great desire he had to go and tour Europe. All over Europe. Now, uh, what he didn't know and what nobody else knew at the time is that his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, uh, was an illegal immigrant to the United States. And if he ever left the country, he wouldn't be allowed to return. And so every time, every year, actually, they plan their concert tour, they plan their Vegas shows, recording dates, concerts. Uh, yeah, hey, Colonel, I wanna, we're going to go to Europe, right? And he said, no, now's not a good time. Colonel, it's, you know, let's go tour Europe. This is, this is going to be great. No, no, and distract him. Look at this. Do this instead. Now, it's hard to imagine that Elvis could be an even bigger superstar than he already was. But just imagine right, if he had invaded Europe the way the Beatles invaded the, the U.S. Unbelievable. But Elvis put too much faith in this one man, trusted him too much. That's the thing about faith. Elvis was trusting him and he was waiting, just waiting. Maybe next year, maybe next year, maybe next year. And honestly, that is the hardest part about faith. It's the waiting. I mean, I hate to wait. I think most people hate to wait. <laughs> I have a hard time waiting in a checkout line. I get irritated waiting at a red light. How stressful is it when you're waiting for lab results or an MRI image? And, and the hardest part of, about the faith is this in-between time. It's the in-between, the time I, I take the pills and I actually feel the relief from the headache. The time that's in between my prayers and then waiting for, to see God answer them. The in-between, the promise and the fulfillment. And folks, this is about examining our own faith today. This is the most dangerous time. The time of waiting, the in-between time. That's when you are most likely to lose your grip. You're most likely to give up hope. 
you're most likely to lose your faith. The in-between time is the hardest. So Abraham, 25 years. How in the world did he and Sarah hold on? How did they keep the faith that long? Verse 8, he was looking forward. What does faith do? Two things. It remembers, it makes us recall all of the things that God's done for us. And two, it lifts our eyes from our present circumstances and we look forward. Abraham was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Not just worry about this little promised land here in Canaan. I'm ready for the promised land our real home, the eternal home that God has fashioned with his own hands and Jesus has prepared for each and every one of us. Faith lifts our eyes to keep us always looking forward. He's fulfilled every promise he's ever made. He's going to fulfill this big one here at the end for each of us too. That's how you hold on for all those years. And that's why Paul, again, he tells us, don't you know? Don't you remember? Don't you remember that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too will live a new life. Looking forward to the promises of God. Remember your baptism. Rely upon the promises that God has given to you. And he will never break. Rely upon it. Make it, 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 is, it empowers you, your daily life. And then when we come and we gather together as a, as a family of faith and we hear God's word over and over again, we sing it, we hear it, we, we read it, we speak it, we pray it. God's word is powerful. And through all of his means of grace, baptism, communion, the Holy Spirit works to engage and to activate our faith so that we do cling to Jesus Christ. We do make him the focus of our faith, the object of our faith. And we rely upon him because he is Never going to break a promise to us. Never has, never will. So our faith calls to mind. We remember all of the good God has done for us and we look forward to those promises that are still yet to be fulfilled. Doesn't matter how big or small or weak or strong your faith is. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Trust him and nobody else. Now, the last clip, I don't know what you think about uh, Elvis, if you're a fan or not, or maybe what you think about Jesus, but I'm going to let, if you're a fan of him or not, uh, but I'm going to let Elvis, uh, in his own words, this is a a, a clip from a concert in Indiana in 1974. It's a little hard to hear. There's subtitles, so on the bottom. Try to read the subtitles quick on the bottom. But I don't want to describe it to you. I want you to hear Elvis in his own words. He's in between songs. He's 
chatting the crowd, working the crowd. And thank you, thank you for being here, thank you. And he sees a young lady holding up a poster, a poster that says, the king. This is what he said. Did you catch it? Yeah. He said, thank you, darling. I, I love your heart, right? I love what you're saying, but, you know, to me, I can't accept this kingship thing. To me, there's only one, Christ. He's our king, too. And he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the focus and the object of our faith. And with our faith in him, we cannot lose. We cannot fail. We cannot die. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the faith that you give to us uh, through your Holy Spirit. Uh, We pray that uh, we would be faithful in our devotion to you that uh, immersing ourselves in your word, that lifting up our prayers to you, we would feel ever more confident in your love for us, which is immeasurable, which is unending. Confident in your love for us, not burdened by our circumstances. Uh, Lift our eyes, Lord. Lift our eyes to look up to the wonderful, glorious future you prepared for all of your people. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, the King of kings. Amen.